Today I wanted to share with you about the goodness of God and His great goodness. And you know, that pleases the Lord when we believe in Him, not just Him as a person, but when we believe in His goodness. And I think it's interesting that many years ago when Oral Roberts was coming on the scene, people got mad at him because he would say, God is good. And it's like man did not want to hear God is good. We wanted to think of him as a wicked, evil Uh, domineering God, but he's a good God and he's a fatherly God. And so we're going to look a little bit at at some of that and it's going to coincide with what we talked about last week, which was entering into his rest and honoring the Sabbath rest. And it made me very aware that we're being, that's where we're being robbed. You know, the, the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy. He has to steal the word from us first. And one of the commandments is that we uh, honor the Sabbath. In fact, uh, let me just read that. I don't know. Well, in the beginning, when God created the man, uh, I'll read you this part. In Genesis chapter 2, when God created the man, he, in verse 15, he took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. I just found out not too long ago that Eden was a city. I always thought the garden's name was Eden, but Eden was a city and the garden was in Eden. And uh, he took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Well, the word put him means caused him to rest. So when God created man in his own image, he created him male and female. He created them. He formed the man in Genesis chapter two, verse seven. He formed the man from the dust of the earth and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a life speaking spirit or a living soul. And then God caught, put him in the garden. He literally caused him to rest. So he created a resting place for him. Uh, to dwell in. And so we came out of that rest. I mean, this is who God is. And one in the Ten Commandments, when it says um, that we are to honor the Sabbath, that's the fourth commandment. It says, for in six days, uh, no, it says, uh, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shall you labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, nor uh, thy son, nor thy daughters, nor the manservant, nor the maidservant, nor the cattle, nor the stranger. The Lord wants everybody to just be in a rested place. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and and the sea and all that is in them and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and hallowed it. And that's what he did. Even on the uh, in the creation, he he blessed the seventh day, and it made it holy. For uh, six days he made heaven and earth and and the sea and all that's in them, and he rested on the seventh day, and he blessed it and called it holy. So, um, us learning how to be in, you know, it said in it, not on it, in that Sabbath day, in that rest, that's in Christ, in the anointing. When we walk in the anointing that, that when we receive Christ into our lives, uh, we receive the anointing or the presence of God into our lives. When we uh, learn to do that, 
we have to learn to rest in that. I want us to see as we go through some of these things over the next few weeks, how we have to learn to discern when we're working out of our soul and when we're working out of our spirit. Because um, the soulish things that are just my ideas and my thoughts will burn up on that day. But the things that are led and energized by the Holy Ghost and power of God will stay and be eternal. So we want to learn how to do that. And the things that we do by the Holy Spirit will come up out of the rest of God. And we'll also see how that rest is, um, his rest is glorious, but it also was the glory that raised Jesus from the dead. So I'll, we'll, we'll get into that and I'll show you some scriptures. I wanted to read to you, to you from a book called Christ the Healer today, um, because it's a part of that resting. You're gonna rest in the knowledge of God's goodness. We have to know God is good. And, and you know, there's scriptures that we can look at that, that tell us that if you want to make him mad, don't doubt his goodness because God is good. And he's been accused falsely through the years. I don't know why we're so quick to want to blame God for the, the evil things that happen and not acknowledge his goodness. But I'll tell you, if we can train ourselves to always look for the goodness of God in the situation, uh, it will change our lives. Amen. So this is from Christ the Healer by F.F. Bosworth. And it's the fourth chapter. It's called The Lord's Compassion. And it's based on the scripture in Psalm 145, 8 and 9. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all of his works. And so uh, I'm just going to read some highlighted spots from that. That's the basis of the scripture. But uh, it says God's greatest attribute is love. And the note that I've highlighted here, it says there's no note that can be sounded concerning God's character that will so inspire faith as, as this one. In our revivals, I have seen faith rise mountain high when the truth of God's present love and compassion began to dawn on the minds and hearts of the people. It is not what God can do, but what we know he yearns to do that inspires faith. So it's not just what he can do. We all know that God can. You know, uh, in the years past, a famous statement is always, I know God's going to heal me. Well, when you say it like that, I know God's going to heal me. It's always out in the future. You never have it done. Faith is now. So I know I'm healed now that by his stripes I was healed. Not I know God's going to heal me. So um, he yearns to do these things. And another note was modern theology magnifies the power of God more than it magnifies his compassion. And we don't have a problem saying God can do it. It's will he do it and will he do it now that we get stuck on. Modern theology magnifies the power of God more than it magnifies his compassion. His power more than it does the great fact that the exceeding greatness of his power is to usward. Stop and think about that. The exceeding greatness of his power. And that comes out of Ephesians chapter 1 where... Um, all the powers of God were expressed in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Every, every um, aspect of his power, his forcefulness, 
his authority, his energy, his miracle working power, all of those, all of the evidence of those powers were demonstrated in the resurrection. And that power, his, his power more than it does the great fact that the exceeding greatness of his power is to usward. So he's, God is so quick to give us his power and we just need to learn how to call on it and to walk it out. Amen. And we all need to learn that. Modern theology magnifies the power of God more than it magnifies his compassion, his power more than it does the great fact that the exceeding greatness of his power is to usward. So that power is to usward. We, it's available for our lives and we just need to learn to call on it. You know, I, I get through a day sometimes and I think, I'd never even thought to ask the Holy Ghost for his help. That's one of the points on our outline that we will get back to in, in a little while is that the Holy Spirit, to let your helper help you. Let him help you. But the Bible, he's saying, the greatness of his power to usward, but the Bible reverses that and magnifies his willingness to, to, to use his power more than it does the power itself. In no place does the Bible say that God is power, but it does say that God is love. It is not faith in God's power that secures his blessings, but faith in his love and his will, his willingness to use that in our behalf. I, I remember one time I was having, um, I was in pain over, it was pain in my body about something. I don't remember what was causing it right now, but there was pain in my body. And so, so many times at that time, you're asking God to help you. You're asking God, or you're speaking the word, or you're asking God to help you. But I caught myself saying, thank you, Jesus, that you are healing me. You are helping me right now, even as I speak. And that's what we need to do. We need to bring it into the now, not put it off into the future, but bring it into the now. Uh, <laughs> one thing you can learn when you have a dog is you learn a lot of things from your dog. But but the I was told, the dog whisperer, I guess, told me this, that the dogs live in the now. So when I would take my dog to the pet store to stay overnight somewhere, I would get emotional about leaving him there because he was scared and everything. But what helped me was to know that as soon as he left me, he was in the now of where he was now. And that, that really spoke to me because it, it helped me release him and not be emotional about him. But also he, uh, that he's in the now and that's where faith lies. It's not, it's not uh, in the future. God's going to heal me. If you're really exercising your faith, he's, he's already done that. He took care of that on the cross and it's in the now. Faith is now. Well, so it says it this way. Now faith is. Now faith is. So now faith is in the now. So if we're believing God for things and we've been believing God for people, for souls, for people that are hardcore, that are hard to... Um, get saved. Do you remember I told you the story about Raymond and how he was 96 years old? And and when we tried to, to pray for him, he, he didn't want to hear anything about the gospel. And he, and he was late in life. And uh, we uh, had a prayer time for him. And I sat a little vision where he had a rope tied around his waist. And there were people hanging on that rope, hanging over a cliff, and they were pulling him. And Raymond was 96, so it's he was getting close to the end, pulling him over that cliff. And 
uh, the guy that was ministering to him, he wouldn't listen to him. He wouldn't have anything to, he wouldn't let him talk to him about Jesus at all. So that night in the prayer room, we prayed and I, we took the blood of Jesus and the name of Jesus and the word of God and put an ax to the root of the tree there. We axed that rope and cut it off and released Raymond from that uh, being pulled over the edge. And, um, but we had to believe it in the now, you know, uh, that Raymond was, and he, he died six months later, I think. So he's in heaven now, thank you, Jesus, because of the power of God that was to usward. The Bible reverses and magnifies his willingness to use his power more than it does his power itself. In no place does the Bible say that God is power, but that God is love. Satan is willing that we shall magnify the Lord's power because he knows that this is not a sufficient basis for faith, but that the Lord's compassion and willingness are. So the devil doesn't care. You know, all kind of false religions, and they'll preach the Bible to you. The devil doesn't care if you go through all your religious exercises. He doesn't care if you quote scripture all day long. But when you start believing that God is good and that God loves us, that's releasing the power of God into our lives and gets a, and, and ships his saddle home, if you will. So he's willing that we shall magnify the Lord's power. He doesn't care if we talk about God's power, but don't start talking about God's love and compassion and willingness. And the Lord delights in mercy. Benevolence is the great attribute of God. If you want to please him, and this is, this is a good part of this. This is what I want us to get. Benevolence is the great attribute of God. If we want to please him, we need to remove the obstacles out of the way of the exercise of his benevolence. He is infinitely good. He exists forever in a state of entire consecration to pour forth blessing upon his creatures whenever they make it possible. Everyone can do this. Suppose the vast, I love this analogy. Suppose the vast Pacific Ocean were elevated high above this room right where we are. Uh, oh, there, there, I lost one place. The, the uh, high, high above this room is elevated high above us. Then conceive of its uh, pressure into every crevice to find an outlet through which it might pour its ocean tides over all the earth. You have a picture of God's benevolent attitude towards us. I had an experience uh, like that. Well, it wasn't about God's love. It was about water coming out of the hot water heater in the attic. But still, I saw the pressure. We had a, a, a hot water heater in our attic, and I saw the it ruptured. And it started coming down through all the light fixtures, through the air vents. It just, it was coming everywhere. And I always think about that when I think about his analogy of the Pacific Ocean. Say the Pacific Ocean was above this roof. Think of the pressure of that. And it's, it's coming down and it's going to find an outlet. And that's the way God's goodness is. His benevolent heart is going to find an outlet. And, and he wants, he so wants, he so yearns. The Holy Spirit lusteth after us, if you will. And, and that analogy is like a, a drug addict wanting his next fix. That's how badly he wants to help us. The Holy Spirit does. 
After first being properly enlightened, I challenge the reader to place yourself where God's mercy can reach you without his having to violate, this is important, without his having to violate the glorious principles of his moral government. Then wait and see if you don't experience the most overwhelming demonstration of his love and mercy. The blessing will flow until you have reached the limit of your expectation. So we set the limits. God's goodness is overwhelming and it flows constantly. That's, that's the thing we need to, we, part of our outline was removing the obstacles, uh, uh, having the right strategy, finding out if there's any obstacles in the way. Well, God's power to usward, his overwhelming benevolence and goodness is always on. It's like that Pacific Ocean above, the, above here. And the pressure of that, he's, he's wanting so to show his goodness and his mercies. So we just need to position ourselves to receive it and to believe it. Amen. The blessing will flow until we have reached the limit of our expectation. I think that is so good. It seems to me that God would rather have us doubt his ability than his willingness. I would rather have a man who is in trouble say to me, Brother Bosworth, I know you would help me if you could doubting my ability than to say, I know you can, but I have no confidence in your disposition to help me. So that's the way God is. Don't accuse him of not wanting to. He would rather you think that he didn't have the power to do it than to think that he didn't have the will to do it. He is willing. Amen. I just love this book. It's really good. It's called Christ the Healer by F.F. Bosworth. Our text after showing the greatness of his compassion, closes with the logical, the logical conclusion, the Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all his works. In other words, he is so full of compassion that he cannot be a respecter of persons. In the bestowal of his mercies, God is unable to fully gratify his benevolent heart by blessing holy beings. He has to extend, <laughs> this is so good, and this is a part of our whole outline. We're praying for those hardcore people that are hard to get along with, that are uh, trapped in their sin and the evil things of the world, the people that are trapped in that evil. We want to be prayer partners. We want to be prayer partners with the Holy Ghost to get them set free. He is unable to fully gratify his benevolent heart by blessing holy beings only. He has to extend his mercies to the wicked of earth. How could he withhold the common blessing of healing from any of his own obedient children? So he's so good. He's so full. He's so benevolent and compassionate that he even spills out over to the wicked and the evil. He's willing to, you know, healing is not, uh, just a Christian thing. Jesus went about healing all who were afflicted of the devil. So if, if you have, wherever you have a need, call on him today. His heart is, is there for you. And when Moses, uh, when uh, Moses was before God and he said, show me your glory, it literally means cause me to see your glory. And the Lord said to him, I will cause my goodness to pass before you. 
And I, I get from that that if we don't believe in the goodness of God, we can never walk in the glory of God. And so uh, the glory, and we'll see next time we come, the glory is what raised Jesus from the dead. He was raised up in the glory of God. So um, that's what raised him from the dead. So that's a release of resurrection power, which I dare say we're going to need some in the days ahead. So God bless you. We'll be back next week and we'll talk about the rest of God in Jesus' name. <laughs>